It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm Adam Ritz, and we're broadcasting live at the Alpha. Alpha Omega National Convention with a live studio audience. And we have with us our guest, Wynn Smiley. Hi, Wynn. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. You are the CEO and Executive Director of Alpha Tau Omega National Headquarters. Today, that's right, yes. Today you are. Yes. <laughs> And I was at your opening ceremonies last night, and I was very intrigued by a number you put on the screen, the 8 million-plus number, the figure you put on the screen, that is a, uh, some sort of figure that represents your community service nationally. What is that number, and how did they come up with that? Yeah, it's pretty shocking. No one ever really sees that in headlines. But of our 137 chapters and colonies, guys do local philanthropies to benefit local charities, and total dollars given plus hours served, which is translated into dollars, totaled last year uh, $8.1 million and some change. $8.1 million. How about that? That's really incredible to see that number on the screen, $8 million plus uh, in, uh, in dollars donated to charities from Alpha Tau Omega. It's a great organization. You, you should be proud of these young men. I'm sure you are. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks, Adam. And now we want to bring up uh, our next guest from Oklahoma State University. What is your name, sir? Michael Carpenter. Michael, uh, again, with the community service, um, your campus does uh, something called the Egginator. Can you explain what the Egginator is? All right. Well, it's uh, at Oklahoma State where I'm a uh, I'm in college at, we have one of the greatest homecoming celebrations in the world, like we like to say. And all the different fraternities and sororities pair up and do the house decorations to bring, and we have all the alumni from OSU all come back for it. And we said, how can we make the most out of this, impact the community, raise money, raise awareness for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Um, we decided to build a contraption, and we dress up as the opposing team for homecoming, and we taunt. All the guys come back for the game and they throw eggs at us. We charge a, uh, it's like a $1 an egg, five bucks or half a dozen. We raised almost $4,000 for our homecoming celebration last year. Four grand for the Egginator. That's, that's great. Let's have a round of applause for it. Four grand. And, and that's for one day's work, $4,000 in a day on, that, on your homecoming at Oklahoma State. Mm, correct. Uh, give us some examples of the people walking by. They'll, they'll buy a dozen eggs for five bucks and just chuck them at you? Does it hurt? Well, we have a chicken wire in front of us, so it, it, it breaks egg and impact. We get hit by the yolk. It is, I mean, we have it homecoming's late October, so it's freezing, but there's no real, unless I you know, hit you right, you know, unless I get you right there, um, it's <laughs> not, it's usually not as painful as you might think. Was the chicken wire an add-on after a little trial and error? <laughs> it's been going on for a couple years, but I assume so. I, I, would, I would hate to see that first year of the Egginator in 1977 when they didn't have the <laughs> chicken wire and people were getting hit with, with, with real eggs. Uh, I can imagine, yeah, it was a uh, 
adaptation to save a lot of the uh, members. Okay, do you, is there a chance to have uh, campus administrators, um, the basketball coach, anybody else on campus, maybe local celebrities get in your little contraption and get hit by eggs? It's, we have had a lot of, and we say OSU celebrities come by, um, and we have our uh, HO sweetheart jumps in. We try and have our head of fraternities, uh, head of the, the fraternity affairs jump in. We usually have some of the OSU sports alumni come back, throw eggs at us. The baseball team always comes out, and that's the uh, most feared time spot for members to jump in. <laughs> Any protests from chickens? Um, not that we've heard, no. Okay. Not. All right. Well, let, you know what? Uh, for our listeners that want to learn more about this, is, uh, is there a website, a Facebook, where we can look at some of the pictures from this stuff? I want to say our website is uh, okstateato.org, I believe, right now. Okstateato.org. All right. That's Michael, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much. Fellowship, leadership, and philanthropy. Conversations and interviews from all over America. It's the Adam Ritz Show. Adam Ritz in Orlando, Florida with WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross. Hi, Jim. Hey, how you doing, Adam? I'm telling you, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, your consultancy work with the WWE, you work with new talent, you're looking for the next big stars That's with right. world wrestling. What are you looking for besides the big guy, the muscles, uh, the personality? What else goes into it from your point of view? I'm a big uh, guy on character. Uh, I think that uh, character is so important. Yes, we want guys to have outgoing personalities that are athletic, but uh, they, they, uh, they, they, have, they have to have character. They have to know that their decisions that they make, are some of them are, are for a lifetime. And uh, being knuckleheads uh, is not a good thing. If you want to make big money, you don't want to be on the babysitter's list. You don't want to be a high maintenance, be a man, be a player step forward and take responsibility for your actions. And it's totally different now with social media, Twitter, right. Facebook. I mean, growing up, I'm sure when you were a young man, you might have made a few decisions that nobody knew about. Now, everything these guys do is traced and trackable online. Well, you know, uh, the people that grew up in my generation had an advantage because we were off the radar. And yes, I did plenty of things that uh, I'm not too happy about that I'm not gonna run tell my grandchildren <laughs> that what grandpa did back in the day. But we're not back in the day anymore. We're in this day. And in this day, uh, you're tracked. Your DNA is viral in a heartbeat. So if you're stupid and you, you tweet when you're angry or you're, you're emotional or you're impaired for whatever reason, uh, be ready to pay the consequences and make good decisions in a day-in and day-out basis. It's simply a fact of just do right. Use your brain and do right and don't be the knucklehead that somebody's got to be. The, you're the high-maintenance baby because no one is so good that, that uh, management will put up with them forever, uh, making sure that they keep them out of trouble. Somewhere along the way, you cease being good enough. Yep. And it's best to cut ties and say adios. Yeah, talent level will get you so far, will get you so many chances. But if you use up your chance, your chances could outweigh your talent level for sure. Jim Ross is our guest. He is a world wrestling uh, and entertainment uh, legend, Hall of Famer. Do you have a Hall of Fame ring, you said? I yeah. Do. Oh, my gosh. You're, you're just a legend here with WWE. Oh. And uh, we're talking social media, Twitter. You have an amazing Twitter uh, following, almost a half a million people. What is that uh, Twitter handle? Uh, at... J-R-S-B-B-Q. And let me tell you, I'm 60 years old, and I sent out tweets that were ill thought out, and in hindsight, or were hurtful to people, uh, that I'd, but I didn't intend for it to be. They weren't profane, 
but they were insensitive. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I was guilty of responding to someone that made me angry. And I, I tweeted in anger, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and I made a mistake. So you, you, you have to, and once it's out there, it's out there. Then it goes, it goes everywhere. And uh, so I, I'm still very careful on, on how I tweet and how I handle people. And it's real simple. If someone POs you and you're angry, there's a little button there called block. Yeah. Don't deal with them. Yeah. Don't deal with them. That's, that's a good decision. <laughs> the bad decision is to respond to them and, and, to, and to validate their, their ignorance with your ignorance. Just don't do it. Jim Ross is also uh, an advocate uh, for um, the awareness level of uh, Bell's palsy uh, as a, um, I guess, a sufferer. How would you describe it? So, uh, with the affliction, how do yeah. you describe this thing? Well, they say you're a victim, I guess. I've had it three times, which is uh, unheard of. And uh, the last one kind of got me off the air on TV on a regular basis. I still have the remnants of it around my, underneath my uh, newly grown uh, beard here. Uh, can't smile, can't show my teeth. Uh, I think people think that I'm always uh, PO'd and angry. I'm not. I'm, I'm very happy. Uh, but I'm trying to keep a, create some awareness for Bell's palsy. A lot of people are, are getting it. They tweet me. I give them encouragement and, and some things to watch for. And, but, you know, when you first get it, you think, man, I'm having a stroke. Your face sags. You're paralyzed on one side of your face. Uh, I had to tape my eyes shut to sleep. You're hearing sensitive, your tongue goes numb, your speech is slurred, uh, and for someone that is on the air, and I never was exactly the matinee idol to start with, and then you get a couple of three bouts of Bell's palsy, it doesn't do you any favors. But I've always looked at it as uh, it was part of my journey. That was part. That's one of the cards that was dealt to me in this hand of life, so to speak. And as you and I were talking, I'm a big Oklahoma football fan, and I on the sideline for all their games. And when I walk by the handicap section and I see people, young and old, sitting in a wheelchair in the handicap section, I know that more than likely, unfortunately, they're never going to get out of those chairs. And I'm walking by. And so me and my boo-boo face uh, of Bell's palsy is a small uh, issue in the big picture. So that's how I, I, I approach it. Did it adversely affect my career? Yes, but did it, 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 does it define me? Heck no, it doesn't define me, nor will it ever. It's an inspiration, uh, Jim Ross, uh, WWE Hall of Famer. Uh, follow him on Twitter, at JRSBBQ. And uh, you still work with the WWE as a consultant with talent development. We wish you the best of luck. And i got to tell you, I'm honored to have you on the show. Oh, thank you, sir. You're, thank you very much. And, again, you know, if you want to be a great athlete, you want to be successful in whatever you're going to do, don't be the knucklehead that the management's got to babysit from day in and day out. You're not that good. You can catch up with The Adam Ritz Show online. Podcasts of recent shows, including this one, can be found at adamritzshow.com. Like us on Facebook at Facebook slash Adam Ritz Show or follow at Adam Ritz on Twitter. We are in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and it's spelled Murfreesboro, but yes, is it, it is. pronounced Murfreesboro? No, it's Murfreesboro. Murfreesboro, <laughs> Tennessee, on the campus of Middle Tennessee State University. We're with Associate Athletic Director Diane Turnham. Hi, Diane. Hey, how are you doing? 
I'm doing great. Thanks for having me down in this part of the country. It's so hot here. Yes, it is. Did you bring this heat with you? Uh, I didn't. And I, you know, I wear long sleeves because I know as soon as I get indoors, I'm going to freeze with yeah, the air conditioning. Exactly. Anyway, uh, we're here to talk about a very serious, serious topic. Uh, we cover some, you know, social awareness topics on this show, anything from bullying to hazing to Twitter responsibility. Right. And unfortunately, uh, within your own athletic department here at Middle Ten Tennessee State University, just within the last several months, there was a, a murder involved with one of your student-athletes, Tina Stewart. When was that? Well, actually, it happened last March, right before our women were about to go to the Sunbelt Conference Basketball Championship. Uh, we were leaving that Friday, and it happened on a Tuesday afternoon when she got back from practice. And uh, truly, you know, a, a very devastating thing for so many of us. Uh, it's one of those things as athletic administrators, you, you pray all your life you never face. Mm -hmm. uh, but... Um, she and her roommate had an altercation. Um, they had a disagreement over, uh, well, quite frankly, her, her roommate had been gone a lot, but she was coming over to the apartment with some other people she had met, and they were smoking pot in the apartment. And so Tina had talked to some of her teammates, had asked, you know, uh, asked her not to do that because she was afraid if, if the coaches came over to do room check and they smelled pot, they think it was her, and she, you know, might be in trouble, miss right. games, lose her scholarship, whatever. So Tina had asked her numerous times not to do it. They were back doing it one afternoon. Tina called their security at the campus apartments. Uh, an individual came and actually there was really no evidence left and but he knew that there had been something going on so he just told the girls to dispose of anything they had and left but apparently when he left uh, she came back uh, Tina was in her room and they had an altercation and uh, she stabbed Tina uh, and you know uh, I don't think anyone could have ever imagined that something that serious would have happened. You know, roommates have scuffles all the time, but for whatever reason, something must have snapped in this young woman, and she went after Tina. And uh, unfortunately, she hit her main aorta going into her heart, so Tina probably uh, only lived about 10 more minutes after that point. Man. So. Well, we remember where we were on certain days in history, and, and I remember exactly where I was when this story rocked America, really. Right. Uh, I was in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I was getting ready to speak to the North Carolina football team mm -hmm. at Chapel Hill, and the head coach at the time was Butch Davis, and he pulled me aside, and, and he said, look at this, and he showed me his phone yeah. and showed me the story of Tina Stewart um, getting killed at Middle Tennessee State University. I, I'm sure, if I can remember it like it was yesterday for me, I, I'm sure here on campus with you and your own department, your staff, what was it like that day? You know, it, it was a normal day. We were getting ready to go to the tournament. The girls were practicing. Uh, they usually get out about 3.30, 4 o'clock. Uh, and, and Tina dated a fellow men's basketball athlete. She had gone home to, to take a shower, and they were gonna, she was going to meet up with her boyfriend, Casey, uh, for dinner when he got out of practice. And, uh, you know, uh, I was at home already. It, was, uh, it, it occurred around 6 p.m., that night I was at home and I got a call from my women's basketball coach and he kind of had a tradition that he and a friend of his um, went out to eat on that particular night and he was uh, there with one of our other associate ADs they were having dinner and he got the call that something had happened 
And um, so, of course, he uh, and the other associate AD took off to the hospital. Uh, when he called me, uh, you know, it, it was a very difficult time. You know, all you know is that she's been stabbed. But uh, actually, Rick knew that, that it was not good and that uh, when they arrived at the hospital, she was going to be pronounced dead on arrival. So... I'm leaving my home knowing those things and, and a thousand things going through your mind. You go into uh, protection mode for all of your student athletes. And so we were we were working feverishly to, to make sure that uh, we got to all the girls and guys as soon as possible because it, it, it affected both teams significantly. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things that uh, you hope you never experience, but uh, not only our staff, the athletic staff, but it, but even the student affairs staff, you know, we made a couple of calls and, and they were there for us immediately at the hospital that night. So uh, everyone pulled together and, and tried to help, you know, both sets of kids. Uh, we, we had counselors on campus and they called additional people in and met with the team. And we, you know, we kind of protected the team the next two days while they were making a lot of difficult decisions because, as I said, you know, they they thought they were getting ready to go to the tournament mm -hmm. in two days, and that was all that was really on their minds. And then all of a sudden, you know, what do we do and where do we go from here? And and so it, it was a, a tough few days for these student athletes, number one, to try to come to grips with such an incredibly horrible incident. Uh, and then they had to make decisions like, do we do we go on? Do we even go to the tournament? What And... and and probably Tina's parents came and visited with us and, and really encouraged us to go on. And so I, I thought it was very brave of the team to, to make that decision to, to go on. Uh, and it was a difficult time, but, you know, we, we, all, we all just did the very best that we could at, at that particular incident. And everybody deals with grief in such a different way. And, and we were trying to, you know, help. 30-something kids that were directly affected, and then all the rest of our athletes, too. So it, it was a time that uh, you really tried to work with every single group because they touched so many people's lives. We're speaking with Diane Turnham, one of the associate athletic directors at Middle Tennessee State University. Uh, we're discussing the killing of a student athlete here at Middle Tennessee State, a bas female basketball player, Tina Stewart. This was in March of 2011. And, you know, these stories don't go away. I no. mean, um, the mourning continues. And even legally, uh, I guess we can say this case sort of just wrapped up. The woman that stabbed her was found guilty, convicted yes. of second-degree murder. And just this past July, a few weeks ago, ago um, was sentenced to 29 years in prison. How, how does the, I guess, department or you or your players or your student athletes, is that a way to sort of move forward to say at least the legal problems or the case is closed? You know, uh, I'm sure there will be a, appeals and lots of other things, but it, it did do a lot. You know, I, th I think the most difficult thing for our student athletes were the was the fact that she remained free. Uh, on bond until her her uh, trial, which took um, it was purposely put off for a year so that we could go through another basketball season. There were lots of different things affecting it, but it it was the trial started in in May of this last year, uh, and so a lot of our girls were were not here. Some had to testify, obviously, but um, it, it was a long long time for the family and a lot of our 
KC, her boyfriend, and, and our athletes to realize that she was still free, and that, that was tough. So I think the most healing thing is when the trial did actually occur. Uh, she was in prison awaiting sentencing, and, and I know for her Tina's family, that was a huge release that, relief that at least she was now at least behind bars uh, and, and w was going to be paying you know, in some way for what she had done. Um, and then the sentencing was just, uh, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago here. And, uh, you know, the girls and, and some of them were in town and, and Coach Insel and his staff and myself, you know, spent some time with the family. And they, they, they have a sense that the justice is, is working uh, and that, you know, she's beginning to pay for, for what happened to, to Tina. And it's still very difficult, but her family, uh, I'll never forget, you know, the, the night it happened, her father looked at me and said, we, we, have to, we have to forgive or the violence will never end. And I certainly wasn't there at that point. And, yeah. and so I'm just, I was so, in, I was struggling for words to encourage them. And in turn, he encouraged me and so many of our kids that night. Um, so it, it's been a, a, a difficult time for them, but, but, you know, they're, they're healing now, they're beginning to heal and there's some other court battles, uh, some okay. civil suits and different things, but they, they at least feel that she's beginning to have to pay for what she did to Tina. So moving forward now and looking uh, to the future, mm -hmm. how has this tragic event changed what you guys do internally as an, as an athletic department or has it? You, you know, uh, it, it certainly makes you more aware. I mean, I, I during that time, I, I got calls from colleagues all over the United States, and, and we all fear that something like this could happen, and, and it often does to some of our student-athletes. And, and probably the biggest thing is we we still allow our student-athletes to live off campus, especially in their, their junior and senior years, because we feel like it's something they've earned. But we're certainly much more careful. Uh, they will not be allowed to live with someone they don't know, which was the case while Tina and this young lady went to the same high school in Memphis, Tina was a junior, this young lady was a freshman, and I think in her own way she thought she was going to come in and maybe be Tina's best friend, and Tina already had her set of friends and her schedule and so many things, and and so I, I think, you know, the biggest thing is we will make sure our athletes know who they're living with, that there will never be another random selection for an apartment complex I'm, I'm sure it changed the way they do things also mm -hmm. but for us uh, our athletes won't be living with anyone that they don't know because you know a, a normal student and a student athlete their schedules are so different their lives are so different and and it I think you know it indirectly affected this young lady and and I'm not saying it was certainly the cause but I think because her lifestyle was so different than Tina's it it, it definitely had an adverse effect on them and their relationship so tragic and, and needless. Um, we want to send our prayers and, and thoughts along with everybody at Middle Tennessee State University forever with Tina's uh, memory. And um, we want to thank Diane Turnham from the athletic department here at Middle Tennessee State University. Real quick, let's end on a high note. Let's have yes. some fun. What's your favorite part about this university? Oh, gosh, it is a great place to work and live. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, um, one of the things that I think came as a direct result of what happened to Tina uh, We've adopted this new True Blue Pledge that every student learns a lot about, and that's one of my favorite things. I know our president, Dr. Sidney McPhee, probably had that in mind when he put together a task force for nonviolence, and our kids need to understand just how a, a split decision, you know, in just a second can change many people's lives, and so 
as a campus, we talk a lot about being true blue here, which I, you know, I love the Blue Raiders, but now we talk a lot about resolving things non with nonviolence. And so that's always going to remind me of Tina Stewart and that smile that she had. So that's one of my favorite things about the university right now. Adam Ritz is a media personality and keynote speaker, interviewing amazing people from coast to coast. Follow him on Twitter at Adam Ritz or listen to him now on The Adam Ritz Show. We're uh, in Denver, Colorado with uh, one of the greatest all-time sports personalities in the Denver media. This is Justin Adams. Hi, Justin. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great, and you are uh, a sports reporter for Channel 7. I am, I am. And what uh, affiliate is that, or what network? So it's the ABC affiliate here in Denver. And you also host a radio show. Yeah, I'm a part of a radio show uh, connecting on, um, excuse me, on um, KNUS called uh, the Artificial Turf Show. So it's on KNUS 710 AM here locally in Denver. And art, that's a great name for a radio show, sports radio show, Artificial Turf. Yeah, definitely. Do the show with Bill Rogan, uh, Casey Bloyer, and Andy Cornell. Wonderful show. Great guys to work with. So I have a lot of fun doing it. You know, those guys, uh, uh, pardon me for my, not being familiar, are they are they athletes, current athletes? Are they former pro athletes in the Denver area? Are they uh, sports personalities in the media? You know what? Um, actually, all the guys are former athletes in one sense or another. Uh, Bill Rogan was a former athlete. He played baseball. Still plays baseball. He plays like old guys baseball, you know, for guys who can't. We can't let their glory days okay. let them go. Uh, Andy okay. Cornell also played uh, college football at uh, Colorado College. And uh, Casey Bloyer, I forget where he played. I believe it was Chadwick State, so it's a little bit outside of uh, outside of Colorado overall. But uh, they all play college football, and I played at the University of Colorado. So we'll, have, we'll bring it all together. No, I didn't even know that you played it. You're a Buffalo? I'm a Buffalo. What would you play there? I played tight end. That's not, I'm not surprised. You, you look like you're in, you could play right now, it looks well, like. You know, I, I can. I feel good. But, you know, once you do, like, two or three plays and you're out of shape, it's about to, you're done. <laughs> so Justin Adams is our guest. He's a media personality in the Denver area. Now we just learned he's a former student athlete at the University of Colorado. That's it. Or is it Colorado University? That's University of Colorado, but either or works. I can say CU, the Buffs, yeah, yeah. the Buffaloes. Yes. And we're in Denver to talk about um, the recent tragedy in Aurora. Um, the entire world was shocked with the shootings at the movie theater. Uh, how did that, I guess, play out uh, from a media perspective? here in Denver. What were you guys involved with, with, uh, I guess, from a community service, pulling the community together? How did you use your airwaves to hopefully help that situation? You know, number one, you don't want to... Um shy away from the story of what happened. Um, you have to accurately tell the story. So that was our first responsibility, saying, hey, this is what happens. This is the guy, you know, we're all who did uh, the heinous crime. The heinous crime, excuse me. And um, you don't want to ever shy away from that fact. But afterwards, you want to bring up the stories of the people who survived and the survivors. And even for the individuals who did die, you want to bring up their story in such a wonderful way of telling their story. You know, people didn't know about an individual. Um, I believe it was uh, Jessica Gowie, who was a person who uh, loved hockey. We'll go to every avalanche game. Uh, how can we uh, bring up her story? And how can we say it in a different way that nobody else in this market would? And so that's the type of things that we did. And wanted to make sure that, you know, we put out that these are individuals. These are real people, not just stories. These are real people that uh, this tragedy happened to. And how great was the timing for the uh, Olympian, the medalist from Aurora, Colorado, to bring, I guess, awareness, maybe a feel-good, a feel-good feeling back to the city in the area, the Denver area. From that, uh, was it a swimmer? Oh yeah, Missy Franklin, yeah, swimmer, yeah. much needed. You know, you have a couple of Olympians, some, some from Colorado who just uh, skip my name right, as of right now, but uh, it was so important to have a great story here in Colorado, just to to bring everybody back together. And if you go, you know, now you're here in Denver, you can see how everybody is really just coming together. 
together. Um, I'm not going to say it's more of a 9-11. I don't want to go that far. But the effect is very similar to how everybody is helping out each other, lending a hand, uh, taking that extra step to help each other. And that's wonderful. It is great. And it's, uh, you know, a problem or I guess a tragedy that will never be forgotten. Um, I think coast to coast, there's always the news cycle so fast. There's another tragedy. There was one just recently in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, but here locally in Denver, I'm sure there's uh, websites and charities set up to help these victims, these families um, as they move forward. So uh, I would probably imagine those charities are linked through your media's uh, websites. What are your websites? Yes, go to thedenverchannel.com. Again, that's thedenverchannel.com. And there we have a special section for the Aurora tragedy shootings. And you can find places not only to give uh, financially to the people who are hoping to, to hurting to donate there, but also you can write something, um, a nice message, um, you know, just expressing your thoughts um, to what happened to the victims. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Justin Adams, for joining us on the show. And uh, now we have a friend in Denver. We do. Hey, we do. Hey, have me on anytime, whenever you need me, Adam. I really appreciate this time. And you know what? It's not only is it an exciting time with Missy Franklin, but how about Peyton Manning? 41,000 out for a scrimmage? Are you kidding me? You know, it's going to be a great time for the Broncos, and we're really excited. Uh, I, look, I'm a fan, too. Everybody in media, you're a fan. You know about Peyton Manning a little bit, coming from yeah. Indiana. It's going to be a great, great time. It's a good time to be in Denver. That it is. It is. Social Awareness Radio, The Adam Ritz Show. It's the Charity Roundup at SMU. I'm in Dallas, Texas, Southern Methodist University with Brian Rose, a member of Pi Kappa Alpha and the IFC president. Brian, what is your main charity? Uh, the charity that we do is called the Ryan Gibson Foundation. And what is the Ryan Gibson Foundation? It's basically the mission is kind of just to find a cure for leukemia, to put it short. And does that foundation have a, a URL we can look at? or? Uh... I'm pretty sure it's just ryangibsonfoundation.org. Okay. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. Or we know how to Google, too. Yeah, Ryan exactly. Gibson Foundation. Okay. And uh, I know a lot of college kids have a lot of fun with their uh, charities and philanthropies. Uh, anything from last semester, last year, any fun uh, charities you did to, to raise money for this charity? Uh, our, our biggest one is uh, we do a thing called Shrimp Fest. So there's uh, open air, especially in Dallas, the weather's great. And we rent out this kind of open air sports bar concert venue type place uh, in walking distance from campus. And we basically just get pounds and pounds and pounds and pounds of shrimp and uh, cook it and, you know, sell tickets to get in the door. And all the proceeds go directly to the Ryan Gibson Foundation. So it's a good time. That's fantastic. And uh, I'm sure all the local seafood restaurants hate you that day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were not their biggest fans. So. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.